Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. In a decade of big ideas... Hi, I'm Steve Jobs. 1989 is a breakaway year. The new right is on the rise. A new president. New technology. New money. They drive the best cars. They wear expensive clothes. They drink good wines. And they vacation in all the right places. Young urban professional. It's more than a trend. Yuppies are a phenomenon. It's this competition to try and be the best and do it now, do it young. Especially here. Boston, Massachusetts is closing in on having the highest per capita income of any American city. But then Boston is also racking up a staggering tally of violent crimes. Almost 13,000 this year. Robberies, rape. We had a significant crime problem like any big city. Um... Murders were not uncommon. For 911 dispatcher Gary McLaughlin, the calls for dire emergencies are becoming all too routine. Until tonight. It began as a typical shift. There was nothing dramatic that happened up until that phone call at 2043 hours. State Police Boston recorded emergency 512. My, my wife's been shot, I've been shot. When the caller indicated he's been shot, it gets your attention. Where is this, sir? I have no idea. I'm off. I was just coming from Tremont, uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital. What color is your car, buddy? Three-time blue. Okay, has your wife been shot as well? Yes. In the head. For Boston PD, their location is an urgent question. Uh, Where are you right now, sir? Can you indicate to me? No, I don't know. The whole city will be asking another question soon enough. What's your name, sir? Stewart. Chuck Stewart. Chuck Stewart and his wife, Carol. Two names that will soon dominate the headlines in Boston and across the nation. It's a far cry from the local couple's humble beginnings. Carol grew up in Medford, and I did too. She was only two years ahead of me in school. 
Her parents were very close to my parents. Medford, right outside of Boston, is a traditional working class town. Carol was extremely close to her family. Her dad ran a pizza restaurant. We grew up with that old-fashioned Italian family. Close, you know, and loving. She was outgoing and funny. I mean, funny, funny the way Lucille Ball is funny. She had a big heart and she'd help anybody because that's the way she was raised. Like many women graduating high school in 1977, Carol wants it all. She wanted to get married. She wanted children. But her goal was to become a lawyer. By 1980, she's on her way, paying for Boston College by working at a restaurant part-time. She bust tables. She was a waitress. That's what she did. That's where she meets a man whose ambition matches her own, Charles Stewart. He was a handsome guy, very attractive. He would write her little notes. He was a cook, and she'd put in her order, and he would write her little love notes and pass it back through the window. So that's pretty disarming. Soon, they're spending every break together, and Charles opens up about his life. Charles Stewart came from not an impoverished background, but certainly not prosperous circumstances. He grew up with three brothers in Revere, a blue-collar suburb where the only thing as important as family is the Red Sox. Matthew was the youngest one of them all. Matthew and Chuck were very close. Matthew looks up to his older brother and will follow him anywhere because Charles has ambition. Charles Stewart was the man in the family, you know? He was the one that everyone respected well on his way and to succeed in ways that others in the family had not. He wanted to be a big man in the restaurant business, actually. He was different from the person that Carol dated before. He seemed more intelligent, and he understood her goal was to become a lawyer and thought it was terrific. The more compliments you get, you know, the hot sets to pump a little faster. Charles is attentive, he's driven, and Carol is taken by him. He would wine and dine her. He was extremely romantic. She was smitten. Carol was absolutely in love with him. Two years after they've met, he saved up enough to propose with a $4,500 engagement ring. In 1985, they marry. She brought in all the wedding photographs and bubbled over about how handsome Chuck was. They had a superb relationship. They were deeply in love with each other. They were like Ken and Bobby. Now the Stewarts can launch their dreams together and join the ranks of the most exclusive club of the go-go 1980s. While the stock market is surging, so is that select class of consumers who are young, professional, and known as yuppies. Carol becomes a tax lawyer at a prestigious accounting firm. Charles lands a plum job, too. He sold furs to high-end clientele. I mean, I had furs in there for $25,000 and up. It's a sales job, but he's hobnobbing with the elite of Boston, and it rubs off. All the people that came in to buy couldn't wait to have Chuck pay attention to them because he was so charming. He had prestige and status. Charles was definitely a yuppie person. 
He wanted to be known as the big whale. That was his attitude, his demeanor, the way he walked, the way he dressed. By the end of the decade, Charles is making 100,000 a year. With Carol's salary, the stewards can enjoy the rewards of their hard work. They buy a house with a jacuzzi and a pool. And he spends over $1,000 on the ultimate 80s status symbol. The latest invention for people that cannot be without a phone, a phone that can go anywhere and do anything your home phone will. With all his toys, for Charles, something is missing. He wanted to go, you know, invest in a restaurant. It was just what he wanted to do in life. But he may need to put his dream on hold. Carol has big news. She's pregnant. She was thrilled to find out she was pregnant. She was all excited, and he wasn't. You could tell this, this was not what he planned. I think in uh, Chuck's head, the family income would change if she stopped working. They just got a house, and now she was pregnant. So his timetable was kind of wiped out. But Carol has faith. The man she loves will come around. It's 8.20 p.m. when Charles and Carol Stewart leave Brigham and Women's Hospital in Roxbury. They just came out of a mass class. With the baby due in just two months, Charles now dotes on his pregnant wife. She's all excited because she's looking forward to her child being born. It's a short ride back to the suburbs where the Stewarts live, a ride that takes them through an area called Mission Hill. Back then, that was considered, you know, territory you don't go in. There was a lot of crime. There were gangs, the crack epidemic. Carol is anxious to get home. Charles was on Tremont, which runs through a dramatic section of the city. At 8.40, at a deserted intersection, the car comes to a stop. Early cell phones have no GPS capability. If Charles can't say where he is, it'll be impossible for McLaughlin to get help to him. Somewhere in this 20-block radius, a young couple's life is on the line. Desperate, the police devise a plan. At least a half a dozen cars were concentrating on where they thought this caller might be. Each car blasts its siren on cue, hoping McLaughlin will hear it on the 911 call through Charles's mobile. Then, Charles's line goes quiet. Chuck, pick up the phone, Chuck. Boston? Hey, wait a minute. You hear the siren? I can hear a siren. Hello? Chuck? Thirteen agonizing minutes from when the call first came in. McLaughlin is able to pinpoint their location. We were able to hear the silence. The duty sergeant said, you're right on top of them. EMTs rush to the car. But the scene is grim. Charles Stewart has a bullet in his gut. Carol is worse. Injuries to her 
were devastating. Wound went through the back of her skull. Charles Stewart, he was very seriously wounded. Well, there's an unborn child involved as well. Police pressed Charles for any information about what happened to them before shock sets in. It was a black male with the hoarse way of speaking, wearing a black sweatsuit with red stripes. Charles is rushed to Boston City, and Carol to nearby Brigham and Women's, where just two hours earlier, she had attended a birthing class. Now, she's fighting for her life. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. From Boston, we have a nightmare story of random crime and violent death. Victims of a brutal attack. Charles Stewart and his wife, Carol, 
are rushed into emergency surgery. She is seven months pregnant. It was extremely emotional. This pregnant woman, and then her baby, the wounding of her husband, and then this mysterious black male perpetrator that nobody can seem to find. While the Stewarts are fighting for their lives, news of their ordeal explodes. Millions of television viewers across the United States listened in horror to the tape of a desperate call for help. State Police Boston recorded emergency fire went down. My, my wife's been shot, I've been shot. Where is this, sir? I, I have no idea. We were hampered greatly by the fact that the victims weren't from the area, compounded by the fact they were both gravely wounded. That tape was all over the airwaves. Okay, sir, can you see out the windows? Can you tell me where you are, please? Oh. This was at a time when, you know, the TV was beginning to do, if it bleeds, it leads. A couple from the suburbs, ambushed in their car and shot by a black assailant. It was on every channel. It was the front page headline of every newspaper. The city was outraged, and part of that outrage was fueled by the photograph on the front of the Boston Herald that morning, which was close to obscene. Shocking as the assault is, it hits a raw nerve. Boston is a hotbed of racial tension. White victims attacked by a black gunman. Boston was angry and terrified by the report. It fueled all the fears that white Americans have about black Americans. This is what happens if you go into, into Roxbury, if you go into Mission Hill, you take your life in your hands. The Stewart case has put Boston's neighborhoods under siege. What happened to the Stewarts was a signal that anyone can be a target. It could happen here as we go to our car in the parking lot. The reaction was simply outrage. Why can't this respectable couple from the white suburbs come into town without being assaulted and killed? In the 80s, racial tension, unemployment, White flight and urban decay are taking their toll on cities across the country. In Boston, it feels personal. The whole city is hanging on word of whether the Stewarts will survive. They took the baby by cesarean um, surgery that night, and the baby was in critical condition. But Carol can't be saved. I picked up the phone and uh, I heard, Carol's dead. And I said, what? This beautiful girl who wouldn't hurt a fly was like struck down in her prime. It was just devastating. It was like losing your own kid. Carol was a loving, caring person who always thought of the other person first. It was hard to imagine more sympathetic victims. This is a kind of situation in which police feel maximum pressure to, quote, solve the crime. War was declared. Anything and anything that had to be done would be done. Detective Miller Thomas is a veteran with 11 years on the force. The whole homicide unit was all brought in. It was like one of those, you know, uh, all hands on deck kind of things. Thomas starts by interviewing Charles Stewart. I met him in the hospital and was like, tell us what happened, tell us what happened. 
They had left the Brigham Women's Hospital. They came up to what's called Brigham Circle. He says while he was sitting at the light, that a black male jumped in the backseat of his car. The assailant threatens them. Don't look in the rearview mirror. He demands Carol's engagement ring and her bag. When he sees a cell phone, he thinks the stewards are cops, and he panics. The robber fired a shot first at Carol, striking her in the head. And then at Charles, striking him in the lower back. With the jewelry and the cash in hand, the attacker disappears. Charles's story reveals few new details. You're led by where the evidence is taking you. Just starting out, sort of like, this is going to be a difficult one. Just hours after Carol's death, her autopsy report is completed. It confirms what Thomas already knows, that she was killed by a shot to the back of the head, fired at close range. The woman with her head blown off like that, it was brutal. Bullets retrieved from the victims were fired from a 38 Smith & Wesson. That's the only solid evidence police have. Clues such as fibers and hair samples from the crime scene were compromised by the desperate rescue effort. Those that were found belonged to Charles and Carol. Police had nothing. They didn't have a gun. They didn't have fingerprints. They didn't have DNA at the time. Their only lead is Charles's description of the assailant. He says a black man did it. With a black man with a raspy voice. With a Nubian nose, wearing a black sweatsuit with red stripes. Boston PD fan out in the neighborhood where the crime went down. Mission Hills at the time was uh, drug riddled. It was uh, predominantly Hispanic and black. The pressure is on police to deliver a suspect. National attention is focused on Mission Hill, where they're searching for clues, the gun, anything to crack the case. Today you would find something, because there's cameras every place. But then, nothing. They were talking to the people, saying, do you know anything? But we had no people who came forward and said, oh, I seen the guy do this, or I seen this happen. There was none of that. So police expand their search to other black neighborhoods. In Roxbury, black men by the hundreds are being rounded up for questioning by legions of police. And then they just started going crazy looking for people. Every black male in Boston was a suspect. Family members, police officials, and the mayor are all attending Carol Stewart's funeral service today. The funeral was standing room only. Carol's parents bravely soldier through. And Charles Stewart's brothers, Michael and the ever-faithful Matthew, carry her casket. That's when the sadness really started to take root. This profound loss of this beautiful, loving young woman. The eulogy Charles writes for Carol from his hospital bed is read by a childhood friend. Good night, sweet wife, my love. God has called you to his hands. It expressed the love that we knew that Chuck had for Carol and the love that Carol had for Chuck. And I'll always feel you, I miss you, and I love you, your husband Chuck. 
There wasn't a dry eye in the whole church. The funeral grips Boston. For police, the pressure to find the killer only grows. There was a lot of fear in the aftermath that somewhere there was this guy who had no regard for human life and he was stalking people, robbing and killing. Anxious to find the perpetrator, police use a tactic sure to produce results. Stop and Frisk was a response to the street corner drug dealers, the people out in the streets who were involved in, in acts of violence that made people feel very unsafe. In the summer of 1989, Boston PD implemented Stop and Frisk to curb a surge in gang and drug-related shootings. Now they'll use it to crack the Stewart case. Police can stop any person they suspect. Search him, his car, his home. It's a powerful strategy. It's also controversial. It's just been a lot of police, you know, harassing a lot of people, thinking that we're the bad guys. The Stewart case took it up another notch. Police went on a rampage with the blessings of the mayor and the police chief and the city. Pulling their pants down, just checking them by the numbers, like 10 at a time. In the first five days after the murder, 150 stop-and-frisk searches are made in Mission Hill each day. They were grasping at straws because of pressure. The cops, I think, <laughs> leapt at anything. They were working day and night trying to solve this thing. Every day that went on, still no arrests? What's the matter with you guys? And in our top story, Charles Stewart is still in critical condition while his newborn son is clinging to life. They wanted to keep the baby alive until he was out of the woods medically. The baby, Christopher, was born brain dead. But after 17 days, it's clear he will never recover. Charles decides to take the baby off life support. And on November 9th, Christopher dies with Charles at his side. To hear that that little guy didn't make it was as crushing as his mother's death. That's etched in your um, brain and it never goes away. The cause of death is ruled a homicide. For Boston, the news just fuels the fire to find the killer. Do what you have to do. Find who did this. Almost three weeks after Carol's murder, police still have no real suspects. Only thousands of leads from people calling in their suspicions. Yeah. He was about six okay. feet, wearing an all-black running suit, white sneakers. Dark skin, light skin. People say, I know who did it, and this guy did it, and that guy did it. The hotline for tips is jammed with supposed witnesses. Wearing a black hat. Yeah. He has a mustache. Was wearing uh -huh. a striped shirt. Callers say that they saw the shooting. I just parked my car. Hey, Murph. He was at the car window. That they found Carol's jewelry. A flat ruby ring. They even claim to know where the suspect lives. Two Tobin Court, third floor. But amid the flood of false leads, one seems solid. Watch this. 
A group of teens in Mission Hill is playing a game called Double Dribble. You pass that ball. One has got a story to share. A teenager was bragging that his uncle was involved in this crime. Joey Bennett says his uncle Willie had shown him a gun and, quote, how he shot the lady. My uncle could have done that. You know, he's mean enough to do that. It was all statements attributed to him through his nephew. So now you've got this suspect. Uncle Willie Bennett is well known around Mission Hill. Even his nephew was proud of the fact that his uncle was considered one of the baddest dudes in the neighborhood. Bennett has a violent reputation. Nobody messed with him. He had a long record. The evidence is circumstantial, but it's enough for investigators to bring in his nephew for questioning. It fit everything the police needed. Someone who saw him with the gun. Joey agrees to sign an affidavit. His own nephew saying he did it. What more did you need? Willie Bennett was now the suspect. Police make their move, and they're not taking any chances. It was about 50 cops. They went to five different houses at the same time, and he was at one of those houses. It was so terrifying. They didn't knock. They kicked the door in. Helicopters, people on the roof. It was scary, it was nerve-wracking. Bennett is taken away, arrested on unrelated charges for now. And investigators descend on his hideout in search of clues. They were looking for Carol's belongings. The police broke it apart turned everything over. They broke holes in the walls, destroyed everything. They come up empty-handed. He didn't have the sweatsuit. He had no jewelry or money taken from the victims. We had no hard physical evidence. There was nothing directly tying him into it, nothing like clothing, a gun. What we had was a lot of circumstantial stuff. In custody, Bennett insists he's innocent. But there is one eyewitness who may be able to prove Bennett did it. Charles Stewart. Six weeks after the murder, Detective Miller Thomas puts together a photo lineup of eight black male suspects, hand-delivered to Charles's bedside. We put a group of black policemen that I knew who looked as close to Willie Bennett as possible. Take your time now. Charles studies each picture carefully, and he doesn't hesitate. That's him. Charles Stewart positively identified Willie Bennett, and nothing anyone said was going to change that. Police finally have the evidence to make their case. Because now they had someone who had a history. He had a reputation of being a tough guy. 
They had Charles Stewart's eyewitness identification of Bennett. And they had the affidavit of a witness Bennett confessed to. It looks like the police have done it. Their primary suspect in the shooting of the so-called Camelot couple is an ex-con who's age 39, one Willie Bennett. When I heard that there was arrest, when I, when I heard that they had someone, there was a sense of maybe we would get some closure. The Boston papers report Charles and his brother Matthew were, quote, encouraged. It's a big day for the press. After he identified Willie Bennett, the Boston Herald and the Globe both called for a reinstatement of the death penalty. The Demetis' reaction is restrained. They remain in seclusion. Carol's parents were so devastated. I don't know how Carol's parents survived what they went through. As for Bennett's family, they are devastated. We're never going to see our brother again. They was going to put my brother in that electric chair. Now, it's all up to a grand jury to charge Bennett with murder. They were about to indict him uh, in December of 1989. There was a sense of anticipation that maybe justice would be done. For both the Demady and the Stewart families, it looks like there may finally be some peace. A month later, his brother Matthew is looking to be released as well from a secret that's burdening him. The phenomenal, profound confusion that he must feel at this moment can't be underestimated. Matthew was far less successful than Charles and had always looked up to him. Matthew Stewart was adrift, was sort of the runt of the litter, jobless, futureless, someone who, when his brother said, do this for me, he would. But the last time Charles asked Matthew to help him, he went too far. Matthew's got proof, an engagement ring, Carol Stewart's. So that was when he decided to get a lawyer and talk to the police. Four months ago, my brother came to me, Charles came to me, and... Matthew tells investigators that four months ago, Charles told him he needed money. He wanted $100,000 to go, you know, invest in a restaurant with his friend. Now that Carol was pregnant, there just wasn't going to be enough cash to start his business. But Charles had a plan. There was going to be an insurance fraud, essentially. Charles would take Carol's jewelry and then would claim that he had been robbed on the streets of Boston by someone while he was in his car. Charles would then give Matthew a package that contained the stuff that had been robbed. Matthew's job was to get rid of the stolen goods. As planned, Charles drives to a desolate spot and parks. But he isn't alone. And it turns out there's more to his plan. Charles Stewart is not just scheming to end his money troubles. He wants to end his marriage, too, with the ultimate betrayal. To think about what Carol's last moments were like, I mean, what, you know, I'm just wondering what the hell went through her mind when she realized what, what was happening.
Charles pulls the rings off Carol's fingers, puts them in a handbag, and shoots himself. He puts the gun in the bag, the bag for Matthew. Matthew had no idea that Carol was in the car. In fact, on the evening in question, he didn't even see her. Matthew was shocked when he opened up the package and saw there was a gun in it. When he heard on the TV news that Charles was claiming that an intruder came in and shot Carol, he knew his brother had done it. Charles never told Matthew this would be a murder. Matthew gets rid of the gun and the jewelry as instructed, but holds on to the last physical proof of a crime he is now a partner in. And it eats away at him over the next three or four months. When it appears Willie Bennett will face a death penalty, Matthew decides to break his silence. He finally had to come forward to tell the truth. Now Charles Stewart is a wanted man. Yesterday afternoon, there was a dramatic turn of events as it relates to this particular matter, uh, which uh, focused on Mr. Charles Stewart as a suspect. Charles knows police are out to arrest him. They've launched a desperate citywide search after they find his home empty. Sorry, you can't come to the phone right now, but if you leave your name and number, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Chuck, this is Billy. Give me a call. You know the number. Chucky, it's May. Call me at home. I'm concerned about a couple of things, and I'd like to speak to you. Hi, this is Nancy Crane of WEEI Radio, and we're trying to talk to someone about reports that Charles Stewart jumped off the Tobin Bridge, and we'd appreciate a call. 7 a.m., Stewart's car is found abandoned on the lower deck of the Tobin Bridge. Four hours later, a body is recovered from the depths of the Mystic River. Charles Stewart's. We can fear to say that he could not uh, accept or he could not handle the allegations or the uh, statements that were made about him. The Stewart case quickly unravels, leaving in its wake outrage. I can't believe you'd kill your own wife. And a long trail of victims. The whole demonizing of black and brown people and them becoming super predators came out of this whole time, this late 80s, early 90s. Charles Stewart showed us how easy it was to manipulate that. I see my brother every day when I look at him. I have to look at all that we were put through for nothing. The city of Boston apologizes to Willie Bennett, but for many, it's too little, too late. It created that feeling that, that people didn't care about 99.9% .9 of the murders, except for the one where we had two white victims. Today, Stop and frisk is still controversial across the nation, and Boston PD still stands accused of racial profiling. The distrust that was fostered between the Boston police and some of those communities still may prevail today. Matthew Stewart serves two and a half years for insurance fraud, but the crime destroys him. He died in a homeless shelter of an overdose of drugs. 
Of all Charles Stewart's victims, perhaps the most unforgivable was the first. Those of us who knew Carol, we wondered, how could we be so stupid? What did we miss? Charles Stewart is buried in an unmarked grave, a fitting end to a man who almost got away with murder. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.